wants. I like it. Can you imagine going? <laughs> do you know it's like going bald? No, I mean, I lost, uh, I lost some hair after the baby, like I think most women do. What a strain! No, it was, and it, it happened a few months after, so I thought I had dodged that. I was like, oh, it's not going to happen to me, um, and then it did. So, but. <laughs> Well, John, you are like the most real person on the internet. Well, no, it's true. I might be wearing a mask. This might be just all of I, 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 artificial intelligence. <laughs> you know no, I'm that. telling you, this is what people, this is what people like. Okay, let me take. Thank you. If that's a compliment, thank you. Oh, I got in trouble from the powers okay. that be. Yeah, I got in trouble. I'll tell you later. Okay. Okay. Um, Bob Probably a good sign, right? That you got in trouble? It's always yeah, a good sign. Probably, but I've been in trouble before. I've been thrown out of some big places. Okay. But I did get sort of chastised over my what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, last, this time last year, we usually, after Holy Week, we go to the beach. You know, the whole, yeah. my family, all of us, we go to the beach okay. down on 30A. You know where 30A is? Mm, I don't think so. I don't Florida, but I don't know what part of Florida. Florida, Florida. I'm in Tampa. Huh? I'm in Tampa. I'm on the West Coast. Okay. 30A is on the Florida Panhandle, but it's very oh. nice. Red, Redneck Riviera. So we go there every year, and um, I was doing some horsing around with my granddaughter, and they were, you know, they had it on video. Okay. And so I watched it later, and I was like on my hands and knees, and I saw the top of my head. And I'm not lying or exaggerating to you in the least. It totally shocked me. Oh. It, my head was practically gone. I had no because at this angle right here in America, right. I'm good. Right. I no, mean, you I'm need good. to check everything. <laughs> yeah, like this, I'm all good. But when I look in awe, you know, when I look down, I said, oh, my God, <laughs> it's gone. It ain't It ain't leaving. It is gone. Right. And then I saw another one from back here. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was like a white saucer right here. I mean, I was, I was completely shocked. And I was thinking, does everybody else see me like that? <laughs> Who's not telling me the truth? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bad feeling. But thankfully, I'm married. And right. hopefully, this foreign to the game, I'm good. But right. I, just, I just, I asked my wife, I said, what, what would you be going? I mean, the woman that, that uh, has four closets of clothes and shoes. Right. I'm thinking, what would you be going through psychologically if your hair was receding with male pattern bald? You, Sarah, right, as, right now, you just got a U-shaped part of your hair and removed yeah. it. And you got no, this it's terrifying. Yeah. No. It's and I, I know women that <clears throat> lost a lot of hair like a frightening amount after they gave birth. Um, and it does come back, but it's terrifying. Mine ain't coming back. <laughs> but his <laughs> son, Lee, who's the toughest guy I've ever known in my life. I forget. I don't know how many times he's been through complete radiation or chemotherapy. It don't matter. His hair don't come out. Oh. They don't come out. So that's yeah, awesome. This this doctor out in um, Palo Alto, Stanford University, he's going through some treatments a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And the doctor said, if you'll go get this vitamin at Walgreens and take it twice a day, you will not lose hair. Okay. And, um, and matter of fact, I don't think it was a doctor. I think it was a patient. I think it was some black lady that was going through radiation with him because they're like in a 
in a lifeboat together. They see each other every week. So he went and bought the vitamin, and I thought it was BS. Okay. I mean, that day he started taking them. He's, he's, never, he's never lost his hair. That's awesome. And so he gave them to me, and I started taking them, and they don't work on me. <laughs> so I'm going to postpone your beating. I postponed it long enough. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I've got all my ammo. No, we'll see. Okay, so. Hopefully this gives ammo to anyone watching, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, I want to say something really quick. I've been thinking about this, that there really are only a handful of objections that continue to get overused and that continue to trip Catholics up who are either stunned in the moment or um, feeling like, you know, they don't know the Bible as well, right? They're, they're, their knowledge of the Bible is not enough to answer these questions or, you know, they just sort of get flummoxed. Um, there are not that many objections, sophisticated objections that you're going to encounter in day-to-day -day conversations. So if you can get a handle on how to answer just a few quickly and concisely, um, it, it will give the person who's, who's drilling you, um, maybe just something to think about, something to walk away with and chew on later. And I had a very wise priest say this to me, and I, I've always kept it in the back of my head that when you are debating someone, for lack of a better word, right? It could be friendly. It could be funny. It could be intense. Try not to think about the person that you're actually debating, but think about the people around that are watching, that are reading comments, right? Like this used to happen on Facebook when I was on Facebook that um, I knew that there were other people reading the comments who were not jumping in and commenting, but they were reading them, that's who I was posting for. I wasn't posting necessarily for the person who was coming at me or attacking or whatever. I was posting for the, for the quiet people who are listening and interested, and they're gonna be the ones that later are going on Google and looking things up, like I was doing in secret. Mm -hmm. So that's just something to think about. In secret. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, a lot of ordering, you know, packages of Amazon books in secret reading. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's the person that you, that's the person who's going to call you in two years because this has happened to me and say, um, I'm thinking about converting. I haven't told anybody yet, but I wanted to talk to you yeah. or. Um, I'm coming into the church this year and I don't know how to tell my family. That's the person because you need to play the long game. My conversion took me eight years, right? So you, you need to play the long game. Somebody who believes something right now firmly and they, they may change their mind three years from now. Yeah. You know, I was someone who never thought she would change her mind and to be where I am standing now. It's so wild. And I'm, and then it's like, great, Lord, what else can you change my mind about? What else do I believe now that I need to change on? Yeah. Is it scary? Is what scary? Being, giving yourself, making yourself open like that. Is oh, yeah. I don't, and I don't really like, um, you mean like right now, like being on video? No, about making a decision that I'm here. Oh. I was about to say I really don't like things like this, but I, I do it because I'm friends with you and you're you're so confident. Um sure. I'm not confident. You are any sense. There's a big difference, okay? But you do it. Action makes you confident. Well. Yeah. But uh, no, it definitely is scary. And um it's also like I was so good at evangelizing Catholics and getting them out of the church. So it's also, you feel like a little bit like sheepish, like your tail's between your legs. You're like, sorry guys, I'm, <laughs> I was wrong, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I saw a man, I was at, you know, why the YMCA. I went there to pick up my son. My routine was 
I would drop Lee off at the gym at the Y, go over to Hill to my real estate office, exit, Realty, Cahaba River. Mm -hmm. But um, so I forgot what I was going to say. Converting. I think I can't remember. Being sheepish, having to face everybody and tell them. <laughs> I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. It's real funny. I used to be in the health and wealth industry. Con game. You know, the name it, claim it, con game. Oh, yes. I was a con artist, but <laughs> I was a sincere con artist. And and um, when I came out of it, this big-time Presbyterian apologist asked me to be on his radio show. He heard that I came out of the health and wealth and was going to the reformed church. Right. And so he had me on the show and I was on the show for like an hour and he was interviewing me and, and this and that, and about me coming out of the eras of the word of faith, the prosperity gospel, blah, 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 blah. And uh, then about two years later, I became Catholic. Well, a few years later I became Catholic. I ran into him again he was coming out of the wild with his towel. He was mm -hmm. kind of a CEO-looking guy, you know, okay. real strong guy. And he was about to stop me, you know. And I just went past him. I gave him. Man, I dissed him bad. I mean, oh. I just walked past him like he wasn't there on purpose. Okay. There is no way I was going to tell him, <laughs> oh, I'm Catholic now. <laughs> he would have yeah. had a heart attack. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question first. Okay. You're, you're the lady. <laughs> you pick which you want, offense or defense. Okay. Wait, say it again, offense or? Yeah, do you want to ask me first or want me to ask you? I'll defer well, to you. You ask me and then I'll have an idea of like how the, how, how this game is going to go. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. not trying to, I'm really not trying to beat you. I know. And I'm smart enough to know that you're going to beat me. So I just yeah. had to talk a little smack. But, you know, uh, where do babies go when they die? Oh. In the church, like a baby. Um, a baptized baby? Passes, you know, at birth. And, and uh, what happens? Are they are they good? What, what, what happens? What's the church teach about that? Oh, what does the church teach? Okay. This is tough. You got me. So you're not talking about baptized babies. And there's a babies in general. Okay. And what? And since you brought it up, we mean baptized babies. They ain't old enough to know what's going on. Right. But but my my our grandson is because he posed for a picture. I saw. Newborn. He's going like that in the picture, like he knows what's going on. He don't even know he's alive yet, and he's smiling at the camera, like he's part of it. So, All right, so you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming you do know the answer. I, th I hope I know. Okay. So my understanding is that the church teaches that we can have hope that babies are with the Lord, uh, especially that baptized babies are with the Lord, uh, children before the age of reason. Before the age of reason. Hey, Stephen Fish. Hi, Stephen. He's a good guy. I need to have him on. We like to argue. Whoa. Hello. Am I back? Back. Okay. What happened is TikTok. It flipped over to TikTok. Okay. Okay. So Stephen's a good friend of mine. He, Hi, Steven. He's a little bit, he's a little bit rad, Trad. Just a little bit. That's okay. Just okay. enough where you can smell it about every other post. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. No, this is a tough, this is tough. And I'll be honest, I have not given this a whole lot of thought. Um, uh, this is very tough. I know that there is such a thing as a mass of the angels 
that is As angels. Yes, I think I'm saying this right. So if if for those who want more information, um, just look it up. It's very very beautiful, and it's a mass that's given to uh, children, Catholic children who pass away. Never, I didn't know. Yeah, and there's a woman on Instagram. She's fairly famous. Her son passed away, and they had this for him. And she so beautifully requested that everyone wear white. And um, and it was just, it was really lovely. Um, but I think that there is just an aspect. So let me say this: when you're when you're raised Protestant especially once saved, always saved, you know, especially traditions that don't have very deep theological roots, right? <laughs> and I'm not trying to be ugly. That's, that's the truth, right? There's just not a whole lot of answers to deep theological questions when you're in these new Protestant sects that are popping up. And you come to the Catholic faith, and there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that the church is just not going to make black and white pronouncements on. Mm -hmm. Right. And that coming from like, you're, you're assured of your salvation. You know, you, you're one saved, you're in, you're going to die. You're going to go right to heaven. You're going to be with the Lord immediately one second after. And then you come to the Catholic faith and you start to encounter this, um, that no, really the Lord makes those pronouncements. We don't. Um, you start, it, it's a, it's an uncomfortable transition, but then it actually starts to increase your faith. Um, I'm reading Stephen's comments. Yeah. So, um, this is uncomfortable also for, for us as Catholics personally, right? When, when we lose, when a, a friend you know, is going through something when we know somebody's died, right? And, and everybody's making pronouncements about where they are, mm -hmm. right? And and I and I just I stay quiet because I don't know where they are. Um, I have hope of where they are. I have hope of where I'm going. Saint Paul himself said, "I'm not going to make pronouncements on my on my own soul." Basically, he's saying that the Lord is going to do that, right? Um, and we see. Even in St. Paul's life as a younger man, he's kind of like, well, I'm going to run the race. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to have hope. I'm going to do what I can. It's really as an older man, when he's about to really face martyrdom, that he's speaking more confidently, I'm going to be with the Lord. Right. And so that's over the course of many years. Um, I asked my husband a few years ago, I said, do you think St. Paul was afraid, you know, to get martyred? And he was like, no, he was excited. <laughs> you know, so. Um, I just, I think we have to be careful and we have to be loving, but, um, I, I have to, because I, because I'm such a, a firm believer that as Christians, we have to speak the truth always. And we can't agree with things that are not true, even if it's nodding or, you know, we have to be so careful about the truth that it is very hard. You know, when, when you have a friend who's relative passes away and they're saying, you know, well, he or she is with the Lord now. Like as Catholics, we have to be careful. We don't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's just a fact. We don't know that for sure. And so we really, really need to be careful. Um, but I did read a document and I think Stephen just cited it. Um, cause I was, I was looking this up actually, cause I was interested in what the church teaches about aborted children. And mm -hmm. You know, again, I think that there's a lot of hope and that we can have a lot of hope and that the Lord is merciful. Um, but I am in no position to make a pronouncement on a person's soul where the church has not spoken. Mm -hmm. I was working. Did I get at, it right? <laughs> well, I, was, I was working at EWT and, and I remember I was riding around in, our, in the Jeep at night. We had a Jeep at EWT and I was listening to Brace Yourself. EWTN radio. <laughs> I was listening to Mother Angelica because I worked, you know, it was the middle of the night and she used to mess with me. Oh, I know. You told me. It's amazing. It's yeah, hilarious. She, yeah, she's dead and gone, but she ain't gone. That's hilarious. <laughs> and um, I love her. 
So somebody called in her show and said, where, where do babies go? And she said something that really surprised me. She said, the scripture does not say. She said, the Bible is silent. And where the Bible is silent, the church is silent. Something to that effect. Yeah. And that bothered me, you know, because everybody wants to think that if a, you know, a child, baby goes, that they go to be with Jesus. And I personally, personally believe that. Right. Does the Bible say, you know, the Protestants, what does the Word of God say? You know, we're not adding to or taking from the Word of God. Well, if it's true, then they don't have an answer. The Protestants. Right. And this is such a great example of the truth that the Bible's silent on so many things. Mm -hmm. Because the intent of the of the Bible, right? Um, the intent of compiling sacred scripture was not to have an answer for every single question. Give me five. Here, come on, put it up. Yeah. You're so right. And that's and if we look You're to so the Bible, right. so if we look to the Bible with that motive, we're mm -hmm. going to be disappointed, mm -hmm. or we're going to be angry, or we're going to do something that is out of our um out of our circle of responsibility right we're going to put something we're going to put our own spin on it that we're just simply not allowed to do just like pastors do right to explain stuff they think right you know right. well and i think again like this idea of being catholic um this this idea of in Catholicism, there is a lot of mystery, and and it's it's uncomfortable at first. There's a, just a lot of things that the church is okay with, kind of saying we we don't know. We trust this to the Lord, and so that opens, I think, another area for us to say, Lord, I don't know, but I trust you a hundred percent. So whatever it is that you have decided that that you have. Um, pronounced about this issue it must be the right thing it must be good that, it must that's so difficult right must be good um, i think of my friends who've lost babies i think of um so many women i know who've had abortions who come to regret them um so many you know questions about people who've who've died suddenly and you you weren't able to talk to them you know again it was it was quick um, and it forces a radical acceptance of, of God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It's so scary. The mystery of faith. <laughs> right. Gives me chills. Yeah. Okay. Baltimore Catechism, okay. 1848, I think, or 1858. Baltimore Hold Catechism. on, let me get it now. <laughs> Have you read it? Have you read Baltimore Catechism? I I actually did read it. I have it somewhere. Hold on. I'm looking at a bookshelf right now. That's why I look weird. Um, it, it I thought that I read all of it. I was going through it with my niece when she was getting homeschooled a couple of years ago. I was her religion teacher. Um, I think it's downstairs. But I do have it. It's fabulous. Yeah. Well, that's that you must be bad. The, the recipe for salvation is you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night, and Jesus said, you must be born again. How can a man be, old man, crawl back into his mother's womb, blah, blah, blah. Talking about baptism. That is the gateway to salvation. Removes original sin, baptism. Okay? So the Catholic theology is you have to be baptized to go to heaven. Period. Okay? Baptized. All right? Well, if a baby is baptized, then original sin is gone and they're brought into the covenant, just like the Jewish kids were circumcised and brought into the covenant. Right. You know, uh, when they got older, it was up to them to walk in the covenant. Same thing with the the babies, it's up to them when they get older to walk, you know, to walk in, you know, to obey the church. Yeah. So, if a baby was baptized, the baby goes to be with God. 
if the baby is not baptized, the fault is they go to limbo. Now, this is Baltimore Catechism. This is before Vatican II that ruined right. the church. <laughs> right. You know, the church fell down and Satan prevailed and Jesus. Yeah, all over. Yeah. Well, anyhow, limbo, if you'll look at it like this, um, you ever seen a big tree, you know, like a, you know, a big, big tree, it's got a trunk, and then you have these big branches near the bottom that go out, you know, usually towards the bottom of the tree, you got these big old branches, and they kind of thin up as right. you go, well, limb, you know, tree branch comes from the word limb, mm-hmm. limbo is like a branch. Okay. Heaven, the main heaven, is that trunk. And then maybe one of those first big branches off the main trunk is a limb. But it's right there. It's part of it. It's not right there in the trunk, but it's just a little off to the side. That would be limbo, not quite. Not right quite. There, boom, you know, throne room, but on a branch of heaven right right there at the edge. So the thought was that unbaptized um, babies would go to this place, this part of heaven, because they believe, and I believe, that heaven is different parts and regions and altitudes and stuff. There's a geography. Right. Heaven and hell. Okay, so unbaptized baby would go to limbo. And I don't think that is so defined that way in the newer catechism. No, I don't. My husband and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and this exact thing. And I think that the motivation for the question is what's the right, what's the underlying question? Is will I see this person again? Yeah, right. That's where the question is. It's almost, it's almost like there's a, a a fearful undercurrent running under the question of where where do these children go? Um, it's will I see them again? Whoever that is, right? My unborn baby, my my infant, my and um, can I trust God? Yeah. That's the other question. Well, the, the right. nature of God revealed is family and recognition and familia, that word familia. I mean, God got to see his son, Jesus, again. Mary was airlifted. She right. went out there. Um, poor Lazarus, he could see Father Abraham afar off. There is a reunion, even though that wasn't, you know, where, where uh, poor Lazarus was. Uh, Abraham's bosom was not the right or going to, but still, remember the poor guy says, "Will some will somebody go and talk to my five brothers on earth?" I mean, he's in the the negative end, right? The rich guy is on the negative end, right? And he still retains knowledge of his right. brother. He's actually as an unrighteous dead man interceding. You talk about communion of the saints. Right. He ain't even a saint. Right. Interceding. Yep. So um, limbo is a place where unbaptized would go, and that's not a bad deal. And we don't know. It's not defined the rules and the visiting hours. Can we go back and forth? Remember in Abraham's bosom, there's a great chasm where we can't go over there and they can't come over here. Indicate there's desire on both both rooms. Right. Stephen's point is interesting. Do I? Stephen just made an interesting point. Yeah, I mean there's the it leads me to think, well, those sage people, and I'm using that word as a former Protestant because you know what it means. Yeah. That's the big thing. What the Protestants believe in something called saved. Right. And the word saved doesn't even mean right. what they think it means. Yeah. 
So you gotta ask me a question. That was my. Oh, you gave me a a hard question. I was gonna like softball you. <laughs> that was a softball. I thought you was gonna knock the feather off the ball. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. I'm so. Gosh, I just try to be. When I when I don't know something, right, which is mm. a lot of the time, I I really try not to make any pronouncements because that's the best. Yeah, best answers I don't know. And right, I love the church answer when they say it's a mystery. Right, that's wonderful. And I think that that's done as um, like okay, so the church has all these answers, and anytime we don't have an answer, we're just going to say it's a mystery, right? I. I think we have to be really careful to say, like, no, there are intentional things. We see this in Holy Scripture that the Lord is is keeping from us. Yeah, we've got a veil. Right. Okay, it's my turn. It's my turn. It's my turn. It's your turn. It's your turn. Ask me, ask me, ask me. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. Oh, I was going to softball you. Like, um... Go ahead. I want to softball. Okay. So give me an argument then for baptizing babies when Jesus was baptized as an adult. Okay. Uh, he was taken to the temple to be circumcised, to get trimmed. Okay. <laughs> Mass the other day when Max was born, my grandson was coming over Max. Hey, how's Max doing? He's not too happy. Why? They just trimmed the dude. Oh. Foreskin. <laughs> and that is how the Jewish child came into the covenant. Yep. Right? Okay. So at that time when Jesus was born, that was the route. Right. And, you know, they went, showed themselves to, I, I guess the priest did it. I don't, I, the priest, the one that did it. I'm sure. Can you imagine your priest circumcising you? <laughs> no, I can't imagine was, at all. Was it like there during the, the life of the Eucharist or something? I don't know. <laughs> How'd they do that? I don't know. We're having we're having a parish circumcision. Right, exactly. Every Saturday at noon, we will circumcise your newborns. Right. I mean, really, is that what they did? I don't know. Can you imagine? That's another way I can say, it. I don't know. <laughs> well, they did. I mean, Paul circumcised Timothy. Right. Right? Can you imagine well, that? Well, you think they had latex gloves? And ooh, can you imagine? Stephen is hilarious. He's hold still, Timothy. Hold still. Whack. Can you imagine? That would hurt. Yeah. I mean, did they numb it up? I. <laughs> I'm in a family of all girls. I literally have no idea how any of this well, works. You know, um, you know, uh, what's her name? What's that chick's name? Caritas, Catholic Caritas. Oh yeah, she's got four boys. Yeah, so, she, oh yeah. me, she's totally. a penis maker. That's what she does. Right. I'm a penis factory. I make penis. She's hilarious. She is, man. Because my son, when I first had her on, my son called me that morning and said, "You got a friend of mine you're interviewing. Mm. You you better be nice." She's awesome. Yeah, that's hilarious. Be one of these uppity righteous people. <laughs> I get on here. Hey, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm surrounded by penis. I make penis. <laughs> I have four boys with penises. So, you know what I thought when I grew up Baptist? I grew up Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. And I remember my Sunday school teacher, plain as day, we're sitting in the classroom. This is in the 70s. And, um, you know, you got those fold-out chairs. You know, you don't remember. Mm -hmm. We had Metal fold out chair. Yeah, we had the, I, yep. We I wore permanent press pants. <laughs> Men wore permanent press pants. Mm -hmm. Then, and the girls were 70s. I can remember those older teenage girls mm -hmm. had the hots for them. This, look, this is in the 70s, and they looked so good with their long hair in the middle, and they'd wear yep. lipstick and bell bottoms and they were cool girls, man. And I was just barely, you know, coming into the youth group. Right. So we're in Sunday school, and they start talking about circumcision. And 
you know, you heard that word growing up a lot, but you didn't know what it was, nor did you care. Till you get into puberty, and then hearing a word like that starts making you go, "Mm." right. And I would, here's what I thought it was. I thought it was when they removed your entire nutsack. Oh, no, that's not. Yeah. I thought the impression I got is they took all that bottom part, you know, the, the right. hanging fruit. Right. Harvested. I mean, and I was like, there is no way I'm going to let them cut my balls. That's what I was thinking. I was a little right. kid. But That's now you know it's not that. <laughs> circumcision. Get your scrotum removed. Right. That's what I thought. I didn't want no part of it. Right. So what was Timothy thinking? Oh, yeah. He was probably terrified now. <laughs> and Paul's like this. This is great. Uh, Timothy. Oh, can I make a point about that? I was in a conversation the other day with a friend. We were talking about this exact thing. And we were talking about, you know, being, being circumcised as an adult, right? Being baptized as an adult. Yeah. And Abraham, too. Yeah. Circumcised yes. as an adult. Mm-hmm. But then after that, everybody is circumcised, the boys are, right, as babies. Yeah. Um, and so, likewise, we see the Lord following in that, right? He's baptized as an adult. And, and one of my other points too, is just that everything in the new covenant is better, right? It's, um, it's greater than the old covenant. So in the old covenant, it's just boys in the new covenant. It's everybody. I got a question for you. Yeah. So, oh, no, no, hard one. Okay. I have a question for you. And this is a for real question. What about the girls? How do in they come covenant. in the covenant? Were they just automatically shoe ins? Because it says the woman shall be saved through what? Childbearing. The woman should, hey, tell that to a Protestant. You're, yeah. you're talking about in the New Testament when it says women shall be saved through childbearing. Yeah. Yeah. When somebody asks you how to be saved, oh, you got to have a kid. Because that right here, it says that this is how you're saved. And we're I so. Mean, again, isn't that, I feel like, the wisdom of the church, right? Like I have my lane that I drive in (laughs) and I don't have to worry about anyone else's lane. And there's a lot of things my husband's responsible for that. I just don't, I don't have to deal with it. And things my priest is responsible for that. I don't have to deal with. Um, So I get to stay in my lane and do what I'm supposed to do. And, um, you know, I know we're living in a lot of times where the, the, it's so easy to hear a, a verse or a command and immediately you want to come back at it. Well, what about women who can't have kids? What about unmarried women? What about women who are, you know, whatever the, the questions go on and on about the qualifiers. Right. And I think it just, it goes back to like the Lord's just asking you to be obedient. <laughs> That's it. You know, if, if if we're going to be saved through childbearing and you're a single woman, then God's obviously calling you to mother in a different way than he's calling that, me to mother. That's my point. And that's awesome. It's, it's all about context. Right. And that's, that's awesome. Obviously, if you're in religious life, you know, mm-hmm. you're a mother in a, in a different way. Some might say in a greater way. Um, but yeah, I think it just goes back to like, the levels of responsibility and the Lord and his graciousness, you know, as a, as a married woman and mother, I have my own set of responsibilities and I just do them and that's it. Did I answer your question? Sort of. Yeah. Did you give me, what was my question? My question. <laughs> Steven's on a roll. I told him yeah. about that. We, and, um, Steven, that's your you're right. I mean, there's just a crisis in general of female vocations. Um, Father John Burns talks about this so well. That's like his mission in life is to increase female vocations. And but not altar girls. No, that's not a vocation. <laughs> Listen, the church permits it. I'm not going to 
I don't cross the church, it's I can promise you it's not happening in our house. Can you disagree with the church on something that you don't believe like the church does without being a Protestant? Uh, you may not agree with what the church says, but you submit. It's kind of like in the military. I don't agree with this battle plan. I think I'm going to get beat, but because I take orders and I follow authority, I'm submitting to this battle plan. We're going to do what the captain says. But here's the thing with, with the altar girls situation. The church isn't commanding me to allow my daughter to be an altar girl. She's permitting it. And so everybody right, gets to come to different issues in their life with these questions, right? Like, is it sinful? Is it prudent? Is it, is it the right thing? Maybe it's the right thing, but now's not the right time. Or maybe it's the wrong thing all the time. And, or, you know, maybe, but, but the bottom line is that, um, what you got against all two girls? Say it again. <laughs> um, they, so to me, okay. So what is the function? What is the function of somebody on the altar serving the priest, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the functions is that altar boys are getting a, a, a sense of the priesthood. So there's a natural um, progression, right? They can keep going in that and they can, in a sense, see if they want to be in the priesthood. What about the nuns? The nuns. Can't those altar girls? They can, absolutely. Can't but they it's not a vocation like, hey, I really enjoy serving the Lord singular like yep. this. I'm with the sacrament Mother Angelica. She's the one that promoted the blessed sacrament more than anyone. For sure. Listen, and and I know of nuns, I've read about them who've said served as an altar girl, and I became a nun. Glory Look at the Calvinist Stephen Fish. Just because he's a biker dude. Is he? Look, just because he was in prison, all right? He he thinks he's a badass because he was in prison. I love it. A biker dude and a drug dealer and a rock and roller. And he's trying to intimidate me through the camera. <laughs> he's coming. <laughs> a bike. But let me also say one one other point about altar girls is that we are in this moment in time right now where boys and girls are supposed to be able to do everything equally and have equal parts. And I think that it's nice to just say, you know what? No, this is for boys. We're going to do something else. But really, the church was ahead of the times when this was all come out in the early 60s, right? I mean, this stuff about letting a girl be an right. this really come out is as old as I am. Right. And you've got other whites within the church that have allowed things throughout centuries. You know, there were female attendants up there mm -hmm. where Vatican ones thought of. Okay, and here, here's the thing. Okay, I come. Okay, I come into the church at a pretty liberal. I'm, I'm not trying to say this negatively, Sarah. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not trying to be offensive, but, and I went there yesterday. I went to mass at my home original parish yesterday, mm -hmm. and compared to my church where I go, Saint. St. Paul, I mean, Saint, the cathedral, compared to my church, my priest and everything, we call where we went yesterday Catholic light, diet Catholic, user-friendly Catholic. Stephen Fish would have had a freaking stroke. <laughs> he went there. Stephen Fish. He would have walked right out. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would have stood up. And I've seen people stand up. I've seen people stand up and leave. One time I seen this bald-headed guy with like tattoos and and oh, ear, what's some things? 
You know? Oh, yeah, I know. The, like, discs, yeah. Yeah, I was an usher, and he stood up in the middle of the homily and stomped back towards me, and I thought we were fixing a, you know, I thought he was some heavy metal Nazi guy fixing to show his ass. Right. So he comes back there, and he said, your priest is a heretic. And he walked right past me. Wow. And walked out the door. Right? Now, this is in a modernistic church. You got one of the members standing up saying, your priest is a heretic. Yeah. Now, um, they I have, have a moments like that, not a lot, but I do remember at one one time whispering to my husband, I said, if it, if it goes just a little further, we are going to stand up as a family, we're going to bow to the Blessed Sacrament, and we're going to leave. And I'm not having this. Well, you know what I did yesterday when I went down the communion line? Mm -hmm. My wife, Connie actually got ambushed by E.M. An E.M. Ambushed Yeah, ambushed her. Yeah. I did a move like that and went past her. <laughs> you, you did know, a I, move? <laughs> my wife goes right into the kill zone of an E.M. No escape, right? <laughs> now, Brian, Brian will show his ass at right. communion. He ain't taking it on the palm. And right. He, I signed to put on a, a show. So I think he's behind me. I think Brian's behind me. Connie, we're on our way. And the first thing you got to do is you got to get in the priest line. Yes. Got, oh, yes. That's what you're always doing. You're looking. The priest and the deacon. Then at this church, you got 400 EMs everywhere. Because it's a, it's a mega Catholic church. It's a big church. So... I'm headed down the priest line, but I do know that during COVID, this very priest, I don't even know his name, mm -hmm. denied my son communion on the tongue. Sure. That was happening everywhere. Yeah. And my son got mad and wouldn't take communion. And we decided as a family, we ain't going there no more. The hell with them, Martinus. We ain't going. Well, it got to a point where you couldn't even get communion on the tongue. You know, on the hand, you know, so, um, so I went yesterday and I actually got, and I was trying to make a decision. What do I do? Cause there's been 1000 people ahead of me get communion in the hand. Yep. Standing up right on their feet. Just gotta... I'm used to going down, you know, you bow right. and then you go forward and you hit the knees and yep. I don't even know how to say amen and stick your tongue out at the same time. Right. Work. Because Father Jeremy, he says I'm a lunger. He'll text me. He mocks me how I receive. I'm going to communion and I'll look at my phone later that day and he'll have a, you know, he'll call me a lunger. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I have been a priest before. I don't know what happens to dad. That is hilarious. <laughs> I bet, I bet the priest at EWTN about took his finger off. It's like a gag reflex. Right. No, it's a little, it's a little unnerving. Right. Yeah. I mean, down there and I stuck my tongue out. Right. Off. That was nasty. I'm gonna edit that out. I got on. I was. I didn't have the stones to get on my knees, mostly because. My shoulders hurt like hell, and I didn't want to. I got a torn rotator. I didn't want to, you know, get on my knees. They got marble floors. This is an uppity, rich ass church. I mean, you get killed if you slip. Like if you ladies are wearing those heels, mm -hmm. you you turn a corner, your foot's gonna go out. I mean, it's, it's like glass. So I don't want to kneel down in my dress shoes and slip. Yeah. So I just stick my tongue out. Man, that priest looked at me. Like I was a Martian. Yep. He was yeah. like this. Yeah. You know, like that. He put mm -hmm. he put Jesus on my tongue. And I was like. Right. Because he Listen, would. You guys got to. You and Stephen need to move down to Florida because our diocese reintroduced um, the precious blood. So for the what? first time in three years, I received communion under both species recently. Yeah. That's a problem. But I couldn't, I was floored. I was, I was really like so grateful and so shocked at the same time. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was happening everywhere. You know, I had a situation where the usher, he told me he was going to call the police on me because I wouldn't put a mask on. I was like, cool, have at it. I said, I'm, I'm sure Tam PD will be right. saying, no, look, racing to come get me and my infant. <laughs> their this usher, this usher needs to be doxxed. Yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, you know, I bite my tongue around an usher or two. Yeah. Can you imagine this? This guy was. It was. It was something. People really lost all. Uh, well, that's first another podcast, but yeah. No, I. I think that um, there's another example. Alter girls female EMs, um, I mean, EMs at all, but anyway, and, and I've seen this and, and thank God it didn't happen yesterday during the reading of the passion, but I've seen women readers. Why? Why is that necessary? It's male roles. I like it when they're in mini skirts and sex boots. That's my favorite. Is when well, the boots to their knees and they're and they're half naked out there. My son Lee, this girl's up there. This is the same church. And the uh what what are they called? Electors? Yes. When they go up there and bow, then they walk up there, read the reading, and then they bow and then they go back. And my son leaned over me and said, I can see all the way up her leg. I know. This is this is where we're at. Up there. You know. White. I was in a church a few months ago. An EM in white bike shorts. Yeah. Like, where to bike a marathon? I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Posted about this yesterday. It's so, it's so easy to be modest. It really is. It's so easy to cover your shoulders, to wear something that hits the knee, to throw a shawl in your bag. Listen, I live in Florida. It's a thousand degrees every single day. I had just have a shawl in my car. If I'm in jeans and a tank top and I want to go to adoration for a second, I grab it. It's so easy to, to put a slip on if your dress is transparent or if it, you know, if it is in the sunlight or whatever. It's, I don't know. If well, you, you know, it okay. says a lot about, it says, it, it can say a lot about the person. It can say a lot about the priest. And it says a lot about the congregation. Because properly, that what it, I believe if you're teaching the faith properly, over time, your congregation ain't going to come like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's not about... You should get It's... It's about elevating our dress, right? Because we're going to meet the Lord. So that's number one. How would you dress to meet the King? Yeah. And, but number two, it's also about charity and love for your neighbor, right? Not scandalizing them. Yeah. Right? Not showing your neighbor a, a, a part of your body that they don't need to see, like with what happened with Lee. Where is that line? Uh, let's say a girl is about 16 years old and they wear these kind of dresses that come down. Um, I'm trying to name the part of the body without sounding pervy, uh, but right below, the, I mean, the, the bottom of the dress is now right there where the legs come to join the torso. And it almost looks like a shirt. Like, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. We saw this a few years ago on Good Friday, and it was, it's just, it's alarming. But this man is walking his daughter. You know, they carry, they're carrying the elements. The, you know, the, the, they got the bread and the wine. You know, they pick a family to walk down there and present it to the priest. Right, which I have turned down just about every time. Yeah, and I'm like, oh hell no. Yeah, I ain't touching the G. I'm not wearing it. You know, I'm like the Wizard of Oz. I'm right. No, I'm I understand. Yeah. I ain't going up near that altar. Yep. 
don't hand me the, the bread and the wine. I don't, and uh, I don't want to get struck. Yeah. And uh, so he, him and his daughter, they're carrying Jesus down there. And you, that her shirt thingy, it's almost like a bait trap. I know. It comes right there to where, uh, I don't even know what that's called, that pubic bone, let's just say it. It's right below the pubic bone. So you can see right, you know, and I'm wondering, dude, I'm talking to the husband, the, I mean the, the father, husband. why in the hell are you walking your naked teenage daughter in front of hundreds and hundreds of men looking at her junk and you're carrying Jesus? Do you have any respect for the Eucharist at all? And why is the priest allowing this? And why well, are these why are these people yeah. being chosen? Because you got some usher choosing them. Somebody's choosing well, that, them. Yep. So that's again people doing things out of their line of responsibility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is on this is on us as parents, right? It's on me as a mom. Oh, shopping, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing most of the opening up gifts. You know, I've made it clear to my family, don't don't buy two-piece bathing suits for my daughter. She's not wearing them. Don't give them as gifts. Don't I don't know what to tell y'all. It's not happening. Um I'm the one that, you know, is sort of going through her wardrobe every six months, right? To make sure that things are still fitting and things are, you know, and and Florida's a casual place. That's just the truth. New York City is not. Where I grew up, you know, you're never overdressed. No matter right, you're here, you know, you can put heels onto church and you're overdressed. It's a different culture. Um, and it's harder, right? When when you're in a hot environment 365 days of the year to dress modestly. It really is. I'm not taking that away. When I came down here and I had to rebuy my entire work wardrobe, you know, in New York, I wore all black all the time. Black pants, black shirt every day. Right? What's your Broadway dancer? No, I was. I teach piano. I no, just you're piano. Okay. Yeah, I always wore black. It was yeah. super. I had like a uniform, you know. And then you come down here, and you know, by eight in the morning, it's 105 degrees, and um, you just you you can't wear black because it's suffocating. So I I get it, but it's on us as parents. We're going to answer for what our kids wear, up to yeah. a certain right. Well, We're yeah. going to answer for what we buy them. We're going to answer for what we allow relatives to give them. We're going to answer for, um, oh, Stephen, I teach virtually. Join my studio. Um, you know, we we will answer for all of that. And um, and it's little things, you know, just as a mom, what am I thinking? Now, my daughter's still little, so this doesn't apply yet. But um, put the outfit on. Sit down in it. Stand up in it, run in it. Like, is it comfortable? Is it fitting? If you're if you're more modest and you're more covered up, you're going to be more comfortable moving around in life. That's the bottom line. Um, you know, it's it's also practical. Put the shoes on. Are they comfortable? Can you walk in them? Um, you know, stand with your outfit in front of a window with the sunlight coming through. Is it transparent? Is it not? I mean, I I just. These are just common sense things. Mm -hmm. um, so well, folks abuses at mass. You know, the trads love to use that word, abuses. That's their favorite word in the world. Liturgical abuses. Well, it's, there's also just regular the, abuses. Most of most of that starts at home because you tell your kids you will keep your mouth shut at mass. Right. Spit your gum out or I'll pinch the fire out of you. Right. You will kneel. You will do this. You're not wearing that. Put that right. dress back and put the, that, you know, 99%. But Sean, who bought it? So this is the other question, right? It's not just you're not wearing that. How did it get in the house? Yeah. That's the question. Who bought it? If I buy my daughter something immodest, it's on me. I answer to God for that. You know what I wore to church? How is it even in the closet? This is sometimes I, what's so mind-boggling to me. How is it even in the closet? There are contexts where you have clothes that are not appropriate for church. Of course, right? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You've, and you have 
contexts where you've clothes that are absolutely and then I've got other situations I have you know ball gowns that I only wear once a year when I'm performing or whatever right there's clothing that have context but there are some items of clothing that have no context they don't belong anywhere at any time yoga pants what invented yoga pants is going to be burning in hell for a billion eternity okay so let's say this though and I get I, I, I get what you're saying um is it the pants? Is it the pants? Because stocking no, the figure. same. It's the figure inside. Oh, wait, the this is my point. This is my point. And I have to go in a second. I'm so sorry. But I just want to make a quick point about it's this. Light. You're 15 minutes late. I know. Okay. But stockings with a mini skirt do the same thing. Um, tight dress pants do the same thing. Tight jeans do the same thing. Tight. So... I, I don't think there's one item of clothing that we can blame and say, this is the entire problem, right? You've got all sorts of things that are problematic. You know what else is problematic? I'm going to tell you something, Sarah. You said I'm the most real person on the internet. You are. <laughs> okay. Veils or lingerie to guys? Veil, like when you veil in church? A female at a mask wearing a veil. Might as well be wearing lingerie. Where's it is hot? I don't know. <laughs> there is hot woman to wear veiled mask. It's very sexy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very look. I'm telling you, I know how these guys think. All right, younger guys. Okay, because my son runs a huge uh, trad page. Right, and these. Kids, I'm, when I say kids, guys that's looking to get married in the 20s, 30s, right. late, they want a trad wife. Yep. They want a trad wife. Part of that is the veil. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, a lot of these girls have a little bit of a sexual. um, Like the, coy. Huh? Like coy. Right. I heard it's called thirst. Like a little bit of like, okay, so. They're using the veil as be. lingerie. Could be. Because they're making all these uh, profiles and Instagrams, and it's about them modeling and posing in these veils, and some of them are kind of sexy. Right. And we know they know they're sexy. And they're Catholic influencers. Of course. So they say, so say anything, you're, you're canceled. So this is what I would say really quick. To exam we all have to do this. Pray for me. Go ahead. We have to examine our motives. Am I doing this external thing? Right? Um, am I doing it because... Lord commands it because the church commands it because, um, you know, go off. I want to look holy. I want to show someone else I'm holy. And so they will find me and, and marry me. You know, I don't know. Um, I think that motives have to be examined. Um, and wearing a veil in and of itself, right? There's nothing... There's nothing wrong with it. Um, there's another woman on Instagram I follow who's been so honest about her own kind of like journey where she stopped wearing it because it it was making her more prideful. And she's like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And the church doesn't command it. There's another area where the church is silent. Um, so it goes back to our questions. Is it right? Is it sinful? Is it prudent? Is it, you know, and you have to go through those questions for yourself. Um, but, you know, you don't want to marry someone because they've done all the, the right things externally and then you you get alone with them and the heart's not in the right place. That's danger zone. Young well, people. Young some, of, some of those girls that are popular on social media yeah. with their veils and their preaching and their cute little TikToks about being Catholic also have other pages where they're showing skin. See, that's sad. Two lives, two lives. That's I don't know the names, but um, you know, 
Um, you it can't is- on here 80, 90% naked on one form. Right. And then proper and preachy and pious on another form. So that's a, that reveals the heart, you yeah. know, and that. That's, that's why I try to stay sinful on all platforms, you know. Same. Right. Right. You know, and, and believe me, you, you start dating someone and marry them. You can't hide. Mm-hmm. You will be who you are from the outset. I have to go, John. I'm so sorry. Bye. Hey, I, I love you. I'll see you Monday. I'll call you later. Get, um, Sarah Graf Piano, if you want to talk about lessons. Okay, Sarah Graf <laughs> Put your tag on there, okay? All, All right. right. Bye. Have a good Holy Week. God bless you, you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.